Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, September 20th, 2021. It's Tony Week, y'all. I'm Broadway Ooh. Radio's Matt Tamanini. <laughs> and I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, as always, there was tons of great content in our various podcasting feeds over the weekend. First up, on Saturday, Jan Simpson was back with another episode of All the Drama, and she was talking about one of my absolute favorite shows. I know it's cliche. I don't want to hear it. She was talking about Thornton Wilder's our town the 1938 Pulitzer Prize winner for drama um I love this show I think it is still important to this day of course I spoke with Howard Sherman who wrote a whole oral history uh, about it um Gosh, I don't even know when that must have been last year or earlier this year. Maybe. I can't remember. God, it's all remember. melted together. Yeah, so there's an episode of Tell Me More in the podcast feed somewhere uh, where we got into his book, um, uh, Another Day's Begun. So that's a great episode. That's in the Patreon feed now. It'll be available next Saturday in the regular feed. Then this week on Broadway came to you on a Sunday where Peter, James, and Michael actually got back to mostly just talking about reviews which is like what that show has always been built on and it's finally starting to get back to more of that they obviously also of course spoke about Stephen Sondheim's appearance on the Colbert Report Um, they talked about the West Side Story trailer Um, Michael actually uh, gave a review for the Dear Evan Hansen film and he really Mm. liked it he really liked it loved the changes Uh, Ashley, you, Grace, and I have recorded a special roundtable, a review roundtable that'll be going up here in the next few days in our Patreon feed specifically. I don't think that we completely disagreed with that. I think there were things that we all liked, but there was probably a lot more that we didn't like. Um, So you can check that out in the (laughs) Patreon feed. (laughs) Yeah, later this week, uh, actually in the next few days. Um, But on this week on Broadway, Peter also talked about My Mother's Severed Head, The Last of the Love Letters, um, and other things. So we definitely want to catch up on all of that. Again, uh, Dear Evan Hansen Review Roundtable coming to you in the next few days over at patreon.com slash broadwayradio. And I have an interview that will be coming up later this week as well with the great Jelani Remy, who is, of course, returning to Broadway uh, as one of the Temptations in Ain't Too Proud. And he actually has a special Tony Knight concert at Birdland, his Birdland debut. So that'll be hitting your Patreon feeds first later this week before it hits the regular feed. So if you want to hear that, it was a great conversation. The dude's got so much energy and excitement. Such a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, So head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. All right, Ashley, let's start the news with a press release that the producers of Jagged Little Pill issued on Friday to address... (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. Buckle up. Um, They issued the release to address the controversy surrounding the character of Joe, which was originated both in Cambridge, Massachusetts and on Broadway by Lauren Patton. Now, as we have discussed before, when the show played its out-of-town tryout, the dialogue and comments from the creative team and Patton herself on social media clearly indicated that the character was non-binary. However, when the show came to Broadway, Joe was definitively cis. There was quite an online pushback to that, and as recently as this past April, the production actually said, quote, Joe wasn't written as non-binary, completely disregarding the thousands of people who saw the show at American Repertory Theater and heard the lines that said otherwise. 
However, in the statement released last week, the production said in part, and this I'm going to read a lengthy part of it because I think it's important, but you can read the whole thing in the show notes. They said, quote, in Joe, we set out to portray a character on a gender expansive journey without a known outcome. Throughout the creative process, as the character evolved and changed between Boston and Broadway, we made mistakes in how we handled this evolution. In a process designed to clarify and streamline many of the lines that signaled Joe as gender nonconforming and with them some vital and integral, got removed from Joe's character journey. Compounding our mistake, we then stated publicly and categorically that Joe was never written or conceived as non-binary. That discounted and dismissed what people saw and felt in this character's journey. We should not have done that. We should have instead engaged in an open discussion about nuance and gender spectrum. We should have protected and celebrated the fact that the non-binary audience members saw in Joe a bold, defiant, complex, and vibrant representation of their community. The statement goes on to say uh, many other things about their whole mistakes um, surrounding the situation, but they also did talk about some of the action items that they put into place to kind of uh, deal with and help remedy some of these situations, including that they have hired a new dramaturgical team, which, quote, includes non-binary, transgender, and BIPOC representation. They've also instituted practices to broaden the casting for all roles in the show, uh, inclu- including in terms of gender identity and racial representation. They are actively working to create a safer uh, place to work for non-binary, trans, queer, and BIPOC members and to bring on uh, more underrepresented people to their team. And they have created partnerships with the Trevor Project and Trans Lifeline. Now, separately from this, in a video conversation that was posted over the weekend but recorded a month ago, Patton spoke with uh, trans writer, performer, jack-of-all-trades, Shakina Nafak, about the role and the situation, and said that she was looking forward to returning to the role. She said, quote, I am extremely excited and grateful for the opportunity to return to this character with the reopening of Jagged on Broadway, and I know that comes with responsibility. Now, to be clear, this was posted by Nafak. This was not something done by Jagged Little Pill. This was something Mm. separate. Now, Ashley, I don't want to speak for where you are right now, but when you and I spoke about this before on the show, we both agreed that the creative team has every right to change the background identity and story of any of its characters during the developmental process. That's what the developmental process is for, even if those changes are still likely to cause some concern. But the real issue, or maybe not the real issue, the biggest issue from Jagged Little Pill was how they handled the pushback after making those decisions and how they communicated it. Definitely. And they, you know, dropped and fumbled the ball in every possible way throughout this. And for many, many months, they had that big uh, panel, however many months that was ago, that had Lauren Patton and think Diablo Cody mm-hmm. I've kind of and that was during it. the pandemic so yeah and kind of kind of blocked out, out of my brain so I forgot who else was on that and then in response to that there was a big um, panel that included like sis and Christian Lewis and a bunch of other trans and non-binary theater adjacent people talking about their response to that actually it wasn't even in response to that I think they had had that and then that pan the jagged little pill panel had been recorded like a month prior again like the same thing with uh 
Lauren and Shakina here. I haven't gotten to watch this newer thing with Lauren and Shakina yet. Um, obviously did see the statement and my opinion there still stands as far as their gaslighting and their lying, which has been going on for so long. Um, as far as like people saw the show and saw that this character was non-binary and then that they just completely erased that at every step of the way. They had so many opportunities to kind of fix their mistakes throughout the entire run of the show on Broadway. And every single time they just stepped around it and made it worse and kept digging that hole. So I have, you know, the promises in the statement are good on paper and literally on paper, because first we have to see them. And second, it comes on the heels of all these months of gaslighting and lying, like blatant lying. Uh, and it also, I mean, Lauren is returning to the show is what it seems like. And you've had, you know, former or original cast members of the show, like Iris Menace and Nora Shell, who there's been absolutely no <laughs> kind of reparations or amends made with them. So I, you know, I don't buy it yet. I would like to see them do what they promise they're going to do. I'm more encouraged by the new dramaturge coming in than anything. Um, but a lot of that still, like if Lauren Patton's in that role, I kind of still don't buy it at all. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a surprise to me. Not that I ever want to see somebody lose their job. I mean, I you no. know that because that's part of it, especially there's probably some sort of complicated contractual stuff since Lauren was in the role when Broadway shut down. I, I don't nominated. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. But there's but, also there's also the thing there. Sorry to interrupt. There's also the thing there of like she's kind of gone on all of like this press about it and all these panels about it. And, you know, it, it's not on the back of the actor to stand up against their production. But I also, I can't tell where Lauren, you know, stands with all of this. Like I don't, no. it's really hard to tell through all of this, how much of the gaslighting that she's also been doing is hers versus yeah. her trying to keep her job solely. Yeah, because she, as I said before, she had spoken about the fact that the role was at least uh, gender nonconforming early on. Then she deleted those tweets and said she didn't have them or whatever. But it's interesting because yeah. when this statement came out, before we'd heard about this um, uh, conversation she'd had with Shakina – it was announced that she was going to be part of a pilot that also features Mandy Patinkin, by the way, uh, yeah. for Hulu. So I kind of thought maybe this was the way for her to leave the role. Um, and I thought that's what was the, actually being set up for that. Maybe uh, Iris would be promoted uh, to that role. But yeah. I, I guess not. So I, I which don't is, know. Which is what everyone that has seen the show and has actually been, you know, whether fans are just hoping the show does better in regard to, you know, trans non-binary erasure. Like, Iris stepped into the role at one point and was amazing, yeah. apparently. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see it. So everyone's kind of been touting that that hasn't been, like, really pro-Lauren doing the role. And I, you know, as far as somebody playing the role in terms of, like, how the role is played, I don't have any... Like, 
like this isn't like me being anti Lauren Patton because I think she's right. bad at her job. It's she's not fit for the role because the role was conceived as something else, and then the entire production and subsequently the actor gaslit everybody who said otherwise. But then that goes back to the very first thing we said, though, is or not the very first thing, but like. No, I know. Was the, the role was conceived that way? Absolutely, there's no arguing that, despite what the production said. But like roles change, and and so I'm okay with Lauren playing that role because that's the t- that's the role that they landed on on board. Like that's the definition of the role that they landed on. So I, I I I'm not as upset about that. I'm more upset with as you keep saying the gaslighting and the lying and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I I think it probably would have just been better for everybody if. If Lauren would have, um, I mean, she does TV all the time. She's part of Blue Bloods mm-hmm. on CBS yeah. and she's got this pilot with Mandy Patinkin, which sounds very much like an Agatha Christie, um, mystery set Sweet. on an ocean liner or something. So I, I, I don't Obviously. know. I probably, yeah. And Mandy, Mandy's the detective. So amazing. Beautiful. But I just, it would have just been a lot smoother and a lot safer. Um, but I don't, I don't love Jagged Little Pill as it is. The whole Jagged right, Little Pill same. itself is, is a huge mess. So it's actually Correct. kind of keeping up. <laughs> that's, that's always the thing with me. Like, it's certainly not the thing that I get pissed off the most, but that show has so many storylines. Like, that's the one you're cutting of they all the have, things. There's, there's uh, like 16 musicals in that show and they really stuck with their guns as far as I, that, cause that's, that really is, I agree with you. Like musicals and plays, anything can change in the process, uh, you know, of mounting a show in a different venue or on Broadway versus regional or whatever. Uh, but it's the, you know, that's all they had to say about it is that the show right. has changed since then. They never said that, not even once. They made everybody feel like they were idiots yeah. and that they were imagining things that the show never changed between what ART and Broadway. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Come on. There's about there's about three or four other storylines that should have gone and they picked the wrong ones <laughs> at to at least. They picked the wrong ones to tighten. I said this before. Like I thought for me, like I would have cut so much of so many things and just focused on the Catherine Gallagher uh, character's storyline as well as with Celia Rose Gooding's character because, you know, those were the two most interesting to me. And obviously, Celia's character would have brought in the Joe character as well, since that's a big part of her storyline. So those were the characters to me that I would have focused way more time on because I did not care about uh, the brother or the mom all that much. So no offense God, to no. Derek Plena and Elizabeth Stanley, who were both no. great. Oh, very fair. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, Ashley, let's move on. We've spent a lot of time on on that, but that was the biggest story of the weekend. And let's just remind you, coming up on uh, this week, we will have a number of things over at Patreon. And I'll just say that there are some other things cooking that James and I have been discussing over the last few days that I'm very excited about that will be rolling out as things pop back up. That may feature a number of voices you are familiar with from across the Broadway radio spectrum. So stay tuned for that. And you can only get those things over on patreon.com slash Broadway radio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. And for all of the things that you can get in the regular feed, you can only get them first there as well. All right, Ashley, as I said at the top of the show, we are officially in Tony's week. And that means that finally we are starting to get some sort of announcements 
in terms of what will be performing. Now, we already know that the Tony Awards will be split up into two different sections. The first will start at 7 p.m. on Paramount+. Plus. That will be hosted by Audrey McDonald. That is where we're going to see a ton of the actual awards presented. And fortunately, because of that, we are actually going to see all of the awards presented. Nothing's going to be happening during commercials. Then from 9 to 11 over on CBS, Leslie Odom Jr. is going to be hosting the Tony Awards present Broadway's Back. And we found out, even though this was kind of obvious to everybody, that Jagged Little Pill, Moulin Rouge, and Tina the Tina Turner musical, the three musicals competing for the best musical Tony, will be performing. And that will be followed by the presentation of the three production Tonys. So Best Play, Best Revival, uh, and and Best Musical. So we at least know that those will be performing in the latter half of the Tony special. And I have a feeling that we are going to see performances from pretty much everything that is on Broadway and coming back to Broadway because they really want to load that bad boy up of two hours of performances (laughs) to sell as many tickets as possible. And they need to. Yes, they do. Uh, in other Tony's news, after the cancellation of the simultaneous watch party that was supposed to be happening over at the Broadway, uh, theater, They have now decided to cancel the previously announced Tony Awards after parties that had been a part of the original announcement. In a press release, the Tony said, quote, We know the awards ceremony at the Winter Garden Theater will be a joyful and cathartic moment for the theater community. Unfortunately, we have been advised by the city that we will not be granted a permit for our Tony Awards after party. As a result, we will have to cancel it. We are extremely disappointed with the decision. No shit, Sherlock. Like, yeah, why? Right. I just, I look. I, I said this about Passover. I was very happy they had that joyous block party. It was a bad idea. This was a bad idea. And that was outside. <laughs> and that was outside. Yeah. And this was. I think this was going to be under. This a is tent. a worse idea. So that, yeah. Well, okay. So I mean, yeah. a little bit worse of an idea. Yeah. But still just, a bad idea. And it's a bad look. That's what's even worse. Is it? It's just yeah, a I, bad look. Definitely. Um. Either way, it's the thing of like Broadway and theater in general thought, you know, fought so long to get back. And there was always the argument of like, you know, when sports arenas were full, like, well, they can do that. Why can't we do this? And it's like, well, there was a reason why we shouldn't have done that either. Right. Like, like, we don't need to make up time by doing dumb things. Yeah. We we fought so hard to get back and then we were blatantly doing things that would make it harder to keep going. Ugh. All right, real quick, let's get into some uh, some show and casting news. On Friday, Off-Broadway Signature Theater announced the company for their upcoming revival of Anna DeVere Smith's Twilight, Los Angeles, 1992, directed by Taby Mager. The company will consist of Elena Hurst, Wesley T. Jones, former Tell Me More guest Francis Zhu, Carl Kensler, and Tiffany Rochelle Stewart. The show will begin performances on October 12th and is currently scheduled to run through November 14th. Next up, on Thursday night, the London Daily Mail's Baz Bomaboy reported that the West End production of Moulin Rouge had found their leads, as well as the majority of their company, in Lisi LaFontaine and Jamie Baggio. Uh, they will be playing uh, Satine and Christian, respectively. LaFontaine played Dina in the Amber Riley-led Dreamgirls in London a few years ago, and Baggio mm. is actually a recent graduate of RADA, so going young with that role as wow. it should be. okay. No offense, nice. Aaron, who is my age, not the right person, but anyway. Um, also in the company will <laughs> You'll be... You'll Cla- be stepping in I'm sh- into I, the Broadway production his- when you move back to New York, yeah? Yes, I will be his alternate. Um, <laughs> also in the company, I'll have to have a wig because I look 
Yeah, anyway. Also in the company will be Stop. Clive Carter as Zidler, uh, Simon Bailey as the Duke, Jason Pennycook as Toulouse Lautrec, uh, Ilya Latoro as Santiago, and Sophie Carmen Jones as Nini. And finally in this section, the interactive costume exhibit Showstoppers announced an extension to its Times Square run. Originally scheduled to be closing this coming Sunday, it will now be available for theater, movie, and TV fans to see all of those glorious costumes through October 31st. I am hoping for another extension, Ashley, so that it will still be there in November because I would love to see all of that. Definitely. I haven't gotten to see it yet, so I'm glad for this extension so at least I can pop in at some point over the next month. But yeah, absolutely, rooting rooting for the second extension extension for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to keep in mind that all of the proceeds from this um, go to the Costume Industry Coalition yeah. Recovery Fund. So it's it's <sighs> not Lovely. just some money grab either. So this is for a good cause. All right, real quick recommendations. We have a poop ton of, of videos for you. First, we've got a roundup of so, so, so many videos from West End Live. Everything from um, Pretty Woman to Amelie to Pippin to a bunch of like um, uh, musical acts like the Barricade Boys to a production of Children of Eden to Heather's Rock of Ages. So many things in there. So check that out. Then we also have some recent TV appearances. Hades Town performed Wade down on Good Morning America, yes. Six performed Ex-Wives on The Tonight Show, and Wicked performed Popular and The Wizard and I on The Tonight Show as well. So we will have videos of all of those in the show notes for you to check out. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Monday. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>